Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Prestige Bald Move movie podcast. This is a commission podcast uh, commissioned by Bald Move fan Andy. You might recognize him as Dash Engine on Discord. Uh, he selected Afterlife, a 1998 Japanese drama film that deals with what happens to us after we die. It was written and directed by uh, Hirokazu Koraida. I think is how you pronounce this gentleman's name. He is a film director, producer, screenwriter, and editor in Japan. Uh, he started his career in television and has directed over a dozen feature films, including Nobody Knows, Still Walking, and After the Storm. He won the jury prize in 2013 Cannes Film Festival for Like Father, Like Son, and won the Palme d'Or at the 2018 Cannes Film Festival for the movie Shoplifters. When I was reading his review, Roger Ebert struck me with what I thought was high praise. He says, Corita, with his film, this film in the 1997 masterpiece, uh, Maborosi, has earned the right to be considered with Kurosawa, Bergman, and other great humus, humanists of cinema. His films embrace the mystery of life and encourage us to think about why we are here and what makes us truly happy. Um, it stars a lot of Japanese people who I've never heard of before. Um, some of them, such as Arata, which I guess is a, a fairly famous celebrity in Japan, uh, who's worked with Korita in films such as Distance and Air Doll, uh, and Sayaka Yoshino, who uh, was also in his previous film, Mabarosi, that really impressed Roger here. Um, where do we start on a film such as this, Jim? Uh, I would really wanted to start by learning the character names, but I was unable to. Uh, I, I'm going to have a hard time talking about any one particular individual in this because I'll be like the young auditor with the right. floppy hair and like the old grandma with the nuts, the, uh, uh, uh-huh. the sex dude, uh, <laughs> That kind of thing. I, I don't know. Um, do you want to let Andy the concept? The I film? guess. Yeah. Do you, because he kind of does a pretty good breakdown here. Andy, our commissioner, wrote in the pro, the following pre feedback says, I "Became aware of this film through a video essay on YouTube, and I immediately sought it out. The premise is the recently deceased must choose a single memory from their life to relive for all eternity. It's simple and yet evocative, and it compels the viewer to also meditate on their own life experiences." I love the quiet documentary style of this film with natural and relatable jump cut filled interviews. The characters feel so much like real people. And indeed, some of the interviews are with real people, not actors recounting their genuine life memories. It's very difficult to spot the actors from the real interviews. Uh, I'm sure you will, but please read Roger Ebert's review after we finish the film. His review itself is quietly insightful and slightly tragic due to his own cancer diagnosis just a few years later. That's the first thing that I read or I thought about when I was reading Ebert's um, beautiful, uh, uh, you know, review of this movie. Uh, that's what this movie is about. Uh, this movie is about 22 people that have died recently and they're at the way station in the afterlife and the staff of this station efficiently explains to them that they're dead that they're going to have three days to pick out the best memory however they define it of their life and the staff of this facility will spend the remaining four days trying their best to recreate it with film technology and and uh, you know script writing and then some good old fashioned uh, Hollywood or I guess in this case Tokyo magic. Uh, they're going to show they're going to film this this memory, show it to the person, and as soon as that person sees it, they disappear into eternity. Um, and I will say that you probably are thinking through. I bet I have a lot of questions about how the details of this stuff works and like what happens if you just <laughs> don't have a favorite memory or refuse to choose. And I will say that probably 95% of the answer, the questions I had about the premise of this film were answered in uh, not just satisfactory, but surprising ways by the film. And I, I quite enjoyed it. What did you, what did you make of this film? Yeah, I think the subject matter overall is well explored uh when i got the premise and where this was going with this movie there are definitely like some logistics questions i have but it was more about where can this plot possibly go i mean you're 20 30 minutes into this movie it's a two-hour movie 
and they have not only set but reached a deadline um, at that point. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. what can this movie possibly do for the next hour and a half to entertain and excite me? And I think it managed to to pull that off remarkably well. Um, every time, like you said, I have a question. I felt like it it unfolded the next layer of of this scenario here, and I was getting answers. And then the way it all kind of comes together at the end to say something more profound about the human experience, right? Um, and and your life as it's lived, I think, is pretty incredible and, and think- extremely surprising to me. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the film pulled off a flawless three-step Martin reveal. Um, I'm curious. Uh-huh. I don't want to because like there there is a pretty big reveal in this film that I'll let uh, what people discover for themselves. And I will say this: this is a tough film to watch. Not in terms of like its filmmaking style, because it's not you know even though it's about death, it's not that kind of movie about death. It's a lot more. What was that Robin Williams um, movie that we saw about the inhabiting the paintings uh oh uh, waking life is that no it no was, it, it was something along those but it reminded me a lot that where it's it's not this isn't even i think that movie was more challenging than this one this movie is very much these people are dead they don't feel a particular way about it other than trying to sift through their memories to find the best one um ponderances of of like you know what a life well lived is um mm-hmm. but yeah more to your point like what what percentage of the movie were you through before you kind of cottoned on to the the big reveal uh it's 80 to 90 it yeah, was I th- it was very late I think I should have picked it up on the second Martin step of the reveal, but I, yeah, I had to, mm-hmm. I think sit with the dum dums in the third step where they, the movie just, just, yeah, like with 10 or 15 minutes ago, just tells us what it's, you know, been working up to. Um, and even yeah, then, I thought that was gentle. Like the way uh-huh. they revealed this information felt <laughs> kind of sensitive to me as a viewer because there was a, a line in there. It's like, well, don't, you know, like, don't feel too, or like, I don't know. I, I can't say, say more without without spoiling it. It's more um, of an emotional reveal than a plot reveal, which I I found pretty remarkable. You know, it's both. There's a very little. So, like, do you did you see the backstory of this film? A little bit, yeah. Like how Corita uh, came up with this. Uh, do you, do you want to like? Uh, oh, so, so what do you oh, understand? How he came up with the idea? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So apparently he had a grandmother that had some kind of neurodegenerative disease. Like, I'm not sure if it's Alzheimer's because he didn't specifically say it. It seems like it might have been at the you know, very beginning of people's awareness of like what these diseases are. But she, you know, was forgetting herself. And he was just a young child dealing with it. And he came up with this novel understanding as, as a child that like, oh, when you get older, you just must you know lose all your memories until you just are left with the one when you die. And that idea was kind of always kicking around in his head. And he came up with the idea of like, well, what would be the one memory? And he had the idea because he got to start, I guess, in television documentary style productions. He thought he's going to make a documentary of asking people of all ages and social and economic status. Like, what is the one memory that you want to hold on to in your afterlife? And some like I don't know how many, but a good portions of the interviews with random people in this film are from that project. They're not actors. They're yeah, not. I did read that. There were hundreds of interviews with just regular citizens. Um, and, and I have some guesses over uh-huh. who that might be. But honestly, I would not feel comfortable wagering any amount of money over which ones were. You know. Yeah, the even with the actors that you know are actors, right? Because they have major plot lines in the movie. Even with those yeah, yeah, people, yeah. it feels the interviews are so naturalistic that it's hard to really tell. Yeah, um, I think that the the plotting, um, what it says about the human condition. There's a lot of like fairly lovely filmmaking, even if it's unremarkable, because this is all uh-huh. shot on essentially. VHS tape, you know, because again, remember, this was just going to be some kind of document. And it looks it looks like it's shot like a late 90s documentary, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a couple times well with the theme of the, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple times where they do this thing where they have a very dark room, like it's all wood paneling 
but it's very bright. Like there's lots of light that is streaming in from, but like the contrast like kind of overexposes. And so everything in the background is very inky and everything that's in like the foreground is, is diffusely lit and it gives everything like a ghostly quality, which I'm fairly mm-hmm. certain was intended. Um, oh yeah. But this isn't a, a film that's just like amazing to look at. You, there's a couple, there's like a, um, a oneer. Uh, where we watch a woman just kind of casually wreck a roof. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a couple of like flashes, but it's what you 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 go to this movie to experience it. And if if you want to experience it, I, I don't know if I completed this thought because uh, because I feel like I've recently died myself. I'm collecting them. Um, <laughs> the only way to watch this, as far as I can tell, legally, even illegally, because I went to the Bay of Pirates, Bupkiss. Yeah. is to get the Criterion app, which is, I think, $10 a month or $99 for a year because I just signed up for it last night and get it through there because it is part of the Criterion collection. Um, or you can buy it I on was, a Blu-ray. Do that. You could also buy, but you're going to be getting used copies because there's I could not tell if there's mm-hmm. a way to buy this thing new. So like, I saw Probably that like on print. Amazon and eBay, there's a couple of... Uh, I couldn't find Blu-rays, DVDs of this release. Okay. Um, Surprised but, but it's not yeah, VHS VHS tapes. Yeah, it's it's a tough get. Uh I thought I, the, the the Criterion channel is kind of cool. Um yeah. well, they they answered a question I've always wondered is like why don't people put in bonus materials? And apparently because they just don't give a shit. Because Criterion has got all that shit. Every deleted mm-hmm. scene, every director's commentary. Uh, every bonus feature you'd ever want on a Blu-ray is is collected along with all the stuff that they have in a Criterion. So it's it's kind of a neat service if, if I think you're it's interested. Poorly organized, but other than that, yeah, it's excellent. Could you search on your Criterion app? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because through the you Samsung app, you might have had app, to slide up to to because my bar dude. was hidden, and then I went to the top, and it it appeared. I tried sliding up. I tried sliding left. I tried sliding right. Mm. I thought if I went down far enough, I would come up with an interface. Uh, in other parts of the thing, you could, you know, hit the like the yellow C button, and I tried all different. I could, I could not make it work. Huh. Um, so I found this under the international, buried in the international collection. Um, so yeah, it's a tough film, but I think it rewards uh, that that kind of effort, and it also seems like it's a whole branch. Like this guy did like over two dozen films, and he's highly regarded. If you want to get in and like some kind of contemporary J- uh, Japan uh, cinephile stuff, uh, this is this is a good ground entry. Um, I think I, I think all of the you know what we might consider odd filmmaking choices or like ah well they shot this on VHS before, so now they have to kind of stick with that quality. Oh, it feels like all those decisions are intentional by the end of the movie. I've. I I did a little bit of like digging around on people's thoughts of this movie because it's a lot. Um, And I saw people comparing this movie to the actual process of like memory making and and Uh. and memory altering. Right. Not and not in like the foundation way where people are erasing your mind, but how you selectively edit your own memories Um and you enhance some and you forget others entirely and you create some wholesale. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and this movie feels a lot like that process. Like it's, it's not perfectly pictured, right? You never, when you have a memory, you never picture it perfectly. It's always glimpses of a, of a time. It's always parts of a, of a set, a setting and a place and a scenario and the people in it. Right. It's sure. never the whole picture. And they kind of get to that in the subject of this movie as well. Um, but the movie itself feels sort of like the process of creating a memory. Well, I also saw a lot of people drawing a lot of parallels between this and making a movie because that's what sure. you're literally yeah. about. You're trying to crystallize an emotion. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And how that's like everyone, like every director's dream is like, I'm going to make something that like that, that I've heard some, you know, talking about looking at like a test screening and like what a powerful feeling is that like an entire room full of people are feeling exactly what you want them to. Mm-hmm. Like it must feel like a composer, just like, you know, tugging on people's heartstrings and stuff. But, um, uh, I, I will say that like that the things that recommend this film are also things that might not recommend it because again this is a pretty old 
like this is like rougher than season one of the wire type of like you know mm-hmm. camera work um it's 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 tough to find uh it's very it's all subtitled obviously you have to that's just part of the thing um and the nature of the way it was produced like i there's a couple times where i had questions like there are some bizarre fucking edits where it's like surely they could have done something different even picked up a shot or two with the but then i realized that like oh half of this was b-roll of a documentary that never got made and he's trying it's like okay now this starts to make sense like some of it feels a little bit chopped together but at no point like you know this movie is two hours long and no point that i ever get like bored or start tapping my foot or what i mean i did Mm. wonder where are they going with this Uh uh-huh but I never thought that for very long because it's like, oh, I see. Oh, and this guy's here because of they, they answer a lot of the questions I had, you know, like you said, it, it not just very quickly, but like in a very natural, effortless way. Like mm-hmm. this movie just kind of just kind of flows. And then the way they reveal not just the story, but the stories that are being told by these people about their memories, I think is part of what makes it compelling and and enthralling to watch i i I found myself you know immersed in the stories even the mundane stories that people Mm -hmm. were telling even the stories of like well i rode splash mountain with my friends i think i think her and all her friends died on splash mountain i think that's what happened but is they died on splash mountain holy shit okay (laughs) okay i'm kidding uh but, but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, they they don't give you the full picture right away of the memories that these people are talking about. And some, in some cases, they never give you the full picture because those people yeah. don't have the full picture themselves. Right. They can remember kind of when it was uh-huh. and maybe where they were, but not the people who were there always just maybe the one person that they were focused on and kind of what they were doing, but not what they were wearing and everything. It's. It's a thing where, like, I felt like I was experiencing the memories with them as they were telling them. And I found yeah. myself just really caught up in it. Yeah, and and seeing, like, because uh, there's not, like, great special effects. Like, when a pilot wants to relive no. the memory of what it's like to fly, it's like they've literally got cotton balls glued on the fishing line. Oh, and my God. It's, it's about, it's like you said, you're trying to capture a feeling. But, but what's funny mm-hmm. is, like, after they get all this stuff together and they put this guy, like, he does, he's, like, very happy with it. He's like, yeah, this is exactly mm-hmm. what it feels like to be in a cockpit with the pot. Because um, he doesn't I, remember the exact shape of the clouds, right? He's it's like, a dream. Oh, it's all dream logic. Yeah, cotton candy, fluffy. I don't know. Uh, yeah. They were clouds, right? And so, as long as the clouds are there, he's going to feel that same thing. Now, I will say that I have a lot of questions at the end of the film, but I don't Me think too. they're like questions of like a filmmaker omission. It's like, oh, it's it's more of like, yeah, I'm curious about like what it meant when that person tore up the roof, or what did it mean when. You know, they're practicing for the next day at work. There's there's a lot of questions I have, but like the big question, you know, again, up to like two thirds way through this movie, I had no idea what the fuck, you know, like I, I, I got that it was like, yeah, these different vignettes of people telling their lives and you get like, you know, and it goes, it reminds me a lot of like the Canterbury Tales where to slice a life, it goes from like profane, like there's some that are like slightly mm-hmm. sex obsessed, I would say in like a G rated Oh yeah, uh, maybe PG at worst. It's not like graphic detail, but there's some guys that were sex obsessed, and there's a, a sex worker that talks about her best memory, um, and there's some that's just like really mundane and banal, uh, and there's some, some that are like can't pick a memory. They're like they don't they don't either remember their lives well enough to pick a memory, or they've got nothing special enough to pick. Or one person just refuses on principle to do uh-huh. it, and you're like, "What is going to happen to that person?" Um, <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, it all gets answered. Um, do you, I, 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 at some point we'll have to like get into spoilers because that's where the I think the good stuff lies buried. Do you want to get so. maybe the rest of uh, Andy's dedication here, and then yeah. we can just uh, open it up to talk about whatever? Because uh, I think we've described the movie well enough, so we're going to get spoilery as soon as Andy's done talking here. Uh, He says, I'm sure you've been thinking about this uh, to yourselves. Uh, I won't ask you guys to tell us what memory you would choose because that seems too personal. I appreciate that, Andy, because honestly, Mm -hmm. I thought about that a lot. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm comfortable picking out an exact memory or talking, you know, because like that. I I want to talk about that. Maybe not. I I don't want to describe the memories, but I do want to talk about that process for sure. Yeah. 
Um, uh, anyway, I do feel like this film is kin to a recent bald movie, Dead Poet Society, which I've only recently watched for the first time. While that film inspires us to make the most of every moment, Afterlife reminds us to not let life slip us by. Uh, once again, if you want to watch this, the only way to do it in this country anyway is to get the Criterion app. Uh, you can try it, by the way, seven-day free trial. So mm-hmm. there you go. Watch all of Corey, Corita's work and then cancel it. Seven days? Like, like you do each month on Club Bald Move. It's like trying uh, to choose a memory to live with forever in three days. How are you going to? Yeah. And you don't even have yeah. a search function? Good Lord. <laughs> right? At least he had the videotapes. Come on. All right. I want to pro-offer a big question that I never mm-hmm. got answered in this film. The female protagonist, the female protagonist, uh, the, the woman in this film. The young counselor, right? What's her whole deal? She Why, has like, fallen she in seems... love with this dude, this other counselor but, dude, young young floppy hair guy, right? I kind of get that. But, like, why is she... I never saw anyone else directive about people's fantasies and their last memories, but she is very... She talks the girl out of the Magic Mountain. She's, like, trying mm-hmm. to get... Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a couple other points where I felt like she was kind of making a catty comment to try to get people to change what memory they select. What Do you have a handle on what her whole deal is other than the fact that she does love the World War II vet? Um, so, so, I mean, baseline... All of these counselors are people who could not choose a specific memory in their or refused. own. Or refused, yeah, because yeah. you see it, it's Saya or who I, I was calling him Spike because of his hair. Uh, you, you see him at the end, he's going to join them, right? Well, yeah. he might not join them. It's it's a, kind of a question mark. He's set to, but he's outside playing in the snow, so who knows? Right, right. It might take him a couple years to get to get him on actual on task yeah so, so that's kind of the baseline right she has either refused or couldn't choose a memory of her own and i don't know if that's because she's so young because i think she's supposed to be 18 mm-hmm. in the movie yeah. um because that's you, sure that you retain the same age that you die you're right. the same apparent age which becomes um, a plot point later, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there were like older men, like the the person who runs mm-hmm. that office seems like he's in his what late fifties, early sixties. The one that's always saying, "Well, we did sixteen yeah. last week, but uh, now we're gonna have to do twenty two And yeah, but like so, like, and that's another thing is like, there's a whole bunch of irrelevant detail in this film. Like I, oh, yeah. when in my early going on, when I'm like, just like I, because I knew what this movie is about. Like you know, the, everyone's going to get to select, and I, like I knew it's going to be something like a Severance, where there's just a whole bunch of rules. So I, every time they they listed something, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But so many didn't seem to matter. For example, there was several people that took longer than the three day period to pick out a memory, and they still, yeah. That, that's the thing. I don't know why they give them a deadline if there is, in fact, no deadline. Maybe it's just to create a sense of urgency. But it's also like, okay, if you can't pick out a memory, you have to stay here as like a penance or as a way to focus mm-hmm. you up to help other people do that. But like, not really. I don't think any of the spirits are. There's no sense of any malevolence. Like, oh, no. here's a bad person that's come and they misspent their life. We're going to. It's just. Whether you lived good or bad, you get the chance to take one memory with you into the afterlife. And yeah, there's there's so much stuff like I thought it was going to be really telling that they're having to process an unusually amount, a high amount of souls this this week. Mm-hmm. But like most most of the setup, like half of the setup didn't matter in the, you know, that I wrote down in my notes didn't really matter in the end. Yeah, I think you're right. Um Maybe if, you know, we were able to dig super deep into it, there's some meaning there, but I wasn't able to tease any out. I thought maybe it's an Eastern versus Western philosophy where it's like, you know, it's just broadly speaking, it's a lot less individualistic and more collective. Like, Hmm. you know, however bad you were as a person can't be that worse than your main, you know, like. And however good you were, probably wasn't that many orders of magnitude better than the best person. So it's kind of like, you know, why single someone out for eternal damnation or. Yeah, there there is a um, remarkable similarity to the way that the vast majority of people handle this scenario. Um, 
you know, some of them can't choose. Some of them, uh, you know, choose right away and have a very good idea of the memory they want. But they all kind of approach it with a, like, solemnity that is almost identical person to person, right? They're all, Mm -hmm. like, really collecting their thoughts and thinking carefully about their lives because they've been told they're in the afterlife here. And I... I kind of wish we would have seen more of a variety of how people would react to that. The the only exception here is the one guy who refuses to choose because he has some sort of like. And he's coded as like being kind of a punk ass. Uh huh. Yeah. Dude. But even he's like respectfully, uh, you know, he's not like being an antagonistic dick. He's just like, I'm just not. What what was his philosophical? Because it wasn't that he didn't think of memories. It was. Yeah, he says at the end that not choosing a memory is sort of a way to take responsibility for his life, which in my mind is like he thinks some his kind life of punishment, self-imposed punishment. Like he didn't work for anything, so he doesn't want to be able to treasure anything. I, I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, yeah, like he said the philosophy, but I didn't. Nothing in his story made me think that. Okay, this this because uh, he's very lackadaisical, like Devil May Care. Like, there's mm-hmm. not any heaviness to him. He's not like a anime villain where he's like tortured and scarred. He's just no, yeah. He's just I, kind I, of. I think sh- there might be a little bit of lost in translation stuff going on where we just don't kind of have words for the ideas right. they're trying to express, and the translation yeah. is not perfect. So, or it might be like because um, I also I got the idea that this is this is a movie about how people process grief. And process like mm-hmm. death and and uh, things like that, and like that this this very young kid who I think he's like sixteen or seventeen in the movie, like is he just in denial that he's dead? And it's like, well, uh, if I don't go maybe? through this official process that everyone tells me I have to do to go, like then I just never will. And I, I mean, maybe because it's it's manifestly true. I mean, he does not follow any of the rules that they give him to the very end of this movie, right? Like. I don't know. Maybe I'm supposed to be more fascinated by the young uh, woman counselor and her relationship or, you know, hopeful relationship with this floppy haired kid. But like, I'm really fascinated with his story arc because he issues all the rules and says, I'm just not going to do it. What are you going to do? And apparently what they do is nothing. They let him Mm -hmm. play in the snow. They let him do whatever the hell he wants. And I presume he can do that for eternity. And is that the why it's like the patience of the eternal? It's like, well, you can buck against, you can sit there and refuse sure. to do your part, but eventually you're either going to give us a memory or you're going to put in an honest day's work and those choices uh-huh. will always be there and each new day you choose to do nothing. It's possible, like, but yeah, it's just a much more that, zen approach to it than Yeah, I just take, like but... in, the, in the grand s- s- sweep of time, you'll eventually... Mm-hmm. Like I got this, I, I, um, I just read that book, uh, children of memory and they busted out this, uh, this parable that I heard as a child that like, you know, like, uh, cause it's very famous, hard to like a, a envision an eternity. Right. Like, sure. you know, yeah. and there's like the story of like, well, imagine a crow that sharpens his beak when he's migrating from Europe to America. He stops by the same rock and he sharp, he rubs his beak against a sharp down. And the, the rock is about the size of a bowling ball. The period of time it takes that crow to whittle that down to a grain of sand is the first, like, I don't know, depending on how mind-blowing you want to be as a youth pastor, you can say mm-hmm. the first second, minute, day, week of eternity. That kind of gets yeah. your mind of, like... And, like, when you think about that, I don't know that crow gets that bowling ball down to the side of a baseball before I'm like, okay, fuck it, what am I supposed to do here? I'm supposed to point this... Because, like, <laughs> otherwise, yeah. what... Yeah, yeah, I'm done with this. How do I move on? Uh, there's only so much snow I can play in. Did it make it... It made it seem to me like the guy with the World War II story was the one that was there the longest, and he'd been there at the time 70 years? Uh-huh. Six, is yeah, it, did yeah, you get he, the similar experience that he was stuck there for the longest? Yeah, he died in 45, I think he says, and this takes place in 98, so... Yeah, it'd be fifty four. Is this years. another hot take that we, we the the young woman that's like the main the protagonist love interest? Are we supposed to understand that she started off like the other young kid where she kind of was disinterested in her because like I feel like she might have yeah at the end of the movie 
and this makes sense for an arc for her too. At the end of the movie is the first day of eternity that she truly took started taking mm-hmm. things seriously. Yeah, and I don't know if that I don't know if that is because she saw the journey that floppy haired dude went on and decided I want to, to go on, on that journey as well. Yeah. Um I, I need I need to find what he found because clearly what he found was profound. Um because it is self-discovery. I mean, your best memory uh-huh, might be yeah. about your wife or your children or your dog or just you. But like it is your it is your memory. You know, it's, it's, sure. a, it's a voyage it of self-discovery. Be, yeah, it can't be done for you. You have to figure no. it out. That, that's kind of what I was getting is she was she was moved by him. You know, she didn't get what she wanted from him. He wasn't equipped to give that to her um, because he was, you know, discovering his own most precious memory. Um, over the course of the end of this movie, but she was inspired by his journey. And so now she was looking to do the same. Do you want to talk about his journey? This is central. Yeah, it's the, interesting. The, 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 the skeleton that the movie is assembled upon. Uh-huh. Yeah. So basically the idea is he fl- floppy hair counselor. He's one of the counselors who apparently we find out has been dead since 1945 or something. Um, and he died when he was like 23. And, the, so he and the looks day they gave, here. I feel like was because it was May. Uh, it was intentionally when, specific for sure. The day in Japan. Oh, well, maybe not. Uh, September 2nd, 1945 was V day J. And he died in late May of 40. So it's still you're dying within three to four months of this giant world war ending. Uh huh. It's pretty tragic, pretty pretty ironic. I thought it was oh, like yeah, super, and- I thought it was going to be super fucking ironic, like <laughs> right. It is supposed to be tragic, right? I mean, his whole story. And maybe is, that May Day um, means something in Japan. Like if you like, maybe that's maybe the, I don't know. I don't really know. I don't. I don't know what May Day is. I don't know what Adult Day is. I don't know the, what any adult- of their like holidays. Yeah, are. Yeah, there you're right. There was a lot of little holidays and stuff that they that they talk about that I had no cultural reference to. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he is one of the counselors. He's yeah. much older than he looks, and he is assigned this Watanabe guy, I think is his name, um, who is an old man who has lived a his entire life up to like 75 years old, and he has no... He, he doesn't have any memories he thinks are worth remembering, so he's having a very hard time even remembering his life, let alone picking a specific he was memory. Just a, to like I got the idea that he's just a salary man. He's just yeah. worked for a company since the damn guy out of school, do essentially the same thing. He had an arranged marriage to a dutiful wife mm-hmm. that he never really was sure if she loved him or he loved the, yeah. Yeah. And over the course of this, he's, he's given videotapes to try and remember his life, right. And go through them and pick out a very specific memory that he wants to save. Um, and so while he's watching this, he's doing so with this floppy hair counselor and they start talking about his memories, right? They, they see him sitting on a bench with uh, an older woman who we found out is his wife and we saw their first date and we saw um, a whole bunch of things. It was an arranged marriage. And so even the marriage, right? Even his wife was just so-so in his life because he didn't really choose her it was just a thing that happened his entire life was so so how do i find Uh something a high or a peak or something in in this life that's just paint by numbers so they're sitting there together watching this scene on the bench and this is the moment where the old man decides yes i've i've picked a memory right this is the moment um because what we're what we find out in a later scene but what is like hinted at in this scene they start talking about the war and the kid says, Oh, I'm actually about 75 years old. I died when I was 23 and I've been here forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I died on this day in 1945 or whatever. And what we'll find out later is that he was actually the fiance of the old man's wife before. Yeah. So, it, so it was, I don't know if that was also an arranged marriage that didn't work out because he died or if that was they, they, like yeah, they a marriage of love. It. Yeah. Um, they, they don't really tell us, but then we see that, you know, after he died in the war, uh, I want to say it's Kyoko is the, the wife's name. Uh, she was then, you know, arranged to marry 
this older man. Right. And they did. And they lived together for 40 plus years. And then she died a few years before he did. And now he's here. And they, we find this out. This is how I figured it out is that when he passes after he sees his movie of the afternoon he has with his wife, this pleasant, uh, I thought that was interesting too. They, you know, this is pleasant memory of them pledging to watch you know they had so much fun watching this movie because they don't have much in common but they was like oh we'll just watch it we'll always watch a movie together once a month and then the reveal is like they he never kept that promise uh-huh but like i i think that's super interesting though because like all all of the stuff yeah. they're doing with this old man is really life affirming in a way right i mean that's what uh-huh. they're trying to do they're trying to say that you might not be able to pick out one experience from your life that meant something extraordinary to you, but the sum of its parts, like that 40 years lived with this person has become the thing that you want to remember itself. And so the moment he picks is just sitting on a bench with her talking about going to see a movie. And they did, I, I think they went and saw one movie after that or or never. He said, no, he, he never, oh, wow. that, that was the only, so like, but, but now he's watching a movie of their life, which I think is interesting. And it's kind of okay. That's good because here's how I interpreted it. I interpreted it as that he his whole life he thought he was kind of like just kind of missing out on life. He was just kind of going through the uh-huh. motions. And this, like, it seemed like there's something that kind of perked up because like there's this one really sad scene where she's like doing you know pouring him tea in the morning and giving him food and he's like he he he's the whole body's turned away from her, obsessed with reading the newspaper, not even seeing all these acts of devotion she's doing to her doing mm-hmm. for her but in that so in that scene like it seemed like she lit up the like i would like the idea of going to a movie with you and we did have a lot and like the fact that he didn't follow up on that is one <laughs> yeah. of those things where it's like i could have made this woman my own and won mm-hmm. her heart over but i didn't and there's also like a hint of maybe i did it to honor the sacrifice of this other guy because she always went alone to his grave once a year. Like there's a and like he, I think yeah. that I, my interpretation is that scene was like, he knew within himself, he might've been able to fill in some of that hole, but for whatever reason, because he didn't think he deserved it because it wasn't, he chose not to. And thus their life mm-hmm. became just kind of like this very rote, you know, she did all the things that a dutiful Japanese wife was supposed to do. And he did all the things that a dutiful Japanese husband's supposed to do. And I see. Yeah. But I, I liked that. Hmm. Cause like, I thought it softened a blow for me who like, I, I thought just fat, a fathomably unstupid when I, or a, unfathomably stupid. I'm so fathomably stupid. I can't say unfathomably stupid. So, <laughs> all right. Um, where I was like, oh, my God, how did I not see this? Because it seemed very obvious in retrospect. But he said, like, thank you for very delicately avoiding the topic to kind of like, like the idea of letter after he yeah, goes. made me feel like as a viewer that I'm not so stupid because this guy was taking great pains into hiding it so that it yeah. wouldn't upset this guy and his and he, that he found that touching too, that somebody would spare uh-huh. someone's feelings into the afterlife. Um and then that's what's yeah, so, so and there's go, a question of whether whether he's doing that to spare his feelings because he, he says later like i didn't do it not to hurt his feelings you know right right right, right. I, I forget the exact explanation he gives for why he did it do you remember what he says there no that he wanted uh I, it's so, something about the didn't didn't he like one of the reasons he's stuck here is that he felt like he didn't make a mark on anyone and he like and uh, he realized like that he, he was did. no yeah never he was never the font of anyone's happiness so he never thought that he deserved that like, this kind of eternal happiness and th- that that knowing that she did right. hold a candle for her entire life for this guy that her her ha- oh that's it her happy she actually the 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 other the 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 woman investigator counselor director went through the woman's film history and saw that the moment that she selected mm-hmm. was the last before he shipped out onto his boat that they were sitting, sitting on, on the same bench. Just, in, just in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost an identical scene from old man Watanabe and her. Um, yeah, 
when she's much, much older. And I guess it goes to show you just never know how much of an impact you're making on people's lives, right? Like he had no idea that that was so significant to her. Well, it calls this very early in their relationship. I like I they mm-hmm. could have had an arranged marriage and he might have been thinking like, oh, my God, here's my wife. And like, we don't have anything to talk about and uh, blah, blah. And sure. then she's the whole because like I felt like there's a lot of commonality between her effect in that scene and her effect with the, the salary man guy that, you know, she just doesn't quite know what to think or feel in that scene. Um mm-hmm. And that's why I think it fed back like like watching this again will be extremely rewarding because number one, I'll get oh, to see all the hints of this other. Um, I might be able to figure out the the other character, but like I think there's a lot of like intentional parallels between, um, you know, you see this girl with this guy and you think, oh, my God, she's just unhappy because he's just not. And but she's acting. What am I trying to say here? Try to say that both of those <laughs> memories were two men that, that were very unsure about the state of the relationship and whether anything could be salvaged from it or whatever. And I think that the guy, the salaryman guy, probably realized if he invested a little bit more that he could have helped her out. But he was afraid to mm-hmm. because he was honestly intimidated by the young war hero love that he was competing with. Right. Does that? Track? I think that's accurate. Yeah. Um, he a lot of vibes by everything. No, uh, I can't point the dialogue to make any of these points. It's a lot of. Uh huh. It's it's a, a feeling you get right, and, which is that yeah. memory thing. Yeah. Uh, and then that's all kind of tied in with the the young woman counselor. Uh, because she has some affection for floppy hair counselor. Um, yeah. And I, we kind of already talked about it, but in these moments where he's watching, you know, this old tape of him and her uh, sitting on a bench together and realizing, oh, that was her, that was the moment she chose. She's also seeing this stuff and realizing this stuff and how he felt about Kyoko. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why she goes to fuck up the roof, the snow. Yeah, destroy the the snow. Uh, Which you only get one shot at that, huh? On this budget. (laughs) <laughs> I kept on thinking that that must have been like, I don't know how many rooftops that they could have like, oh, well, you fucked that yeah. one up. and but, yeah. but yeah, it was. But I don't know. It's a weird scene because like I. Uh, it's not my favorite part of the movie. Uh, spending three minutes watching her mess up the snow on a roof. I'm um, just trying to figure out what they're saying about her. Like. I, I get the the actual plot that's happening, right? She's in love with this guy. It's unrequited, and it's going to remain so for eternity. So she now needs to figure out what is my memory. Like what, she's kind of doing this right. on her own terms now. But like, what does that say in the context of the greater film, right? Um, right. I, I like why did why did she fall in love with him? What about his mopey ass made her him attractive? Was it just the fact that he was around there for seventy years? So he was she she was she had the longest relationship she could for. I I don't think maybe. the film has too much interest in answering that question. Yeah, but certainly it's it's asking a question, right? It has to be, it has, it well, has to be ask, doing something with that. Otherwise, okay. why have it in there? And I just, this might, this might help us answer this. Mm-hmm. Who was practicing the graduation song or were those the dead people or was that the staff as a staff? Those are the counselors. Why after doing this for up to seven years, are they still so terrible at it? <laughs> Dude, all right, let's talk about some of the logistics and questions I have. Cause yes, this is a, okay. Cause this is where salient I point. Uh, I I think there's something too that they don't have some kind of collective like they don't I don't think they have like super long term memories I don't think this guy thinks that I've been doing this for seven years and I can remember all 70 of them because else like they've been practicing this for even even a year you should not this sounds like (laughs) this sounds like the first time I did my son took band in fifth grade the first recital. Uh Where it's like, oh my god, the pitches and the tempos, and it just and the, <laughs> here's and the, the hilarious t- thing. I remember hearing bands uh, mm-hmm. from like middle school and walking into the the band room and hearing people practice, and yeah. I remember it as sounding much better than this. But I'm certain my memory is faulty. <laughs> I'm certain I, it like sounded said, just that, like this. That fifth grade winter recital, pretty brutal, uh-huh. pretty brutal, and that's what <laughs> it sounded like. And like, 
there's there, there, so they they that had to be telling us something, right? Yeah, about... you don't practice for seventy five years, even even individually. So I'm thinking, okay, well maybe it's a case of like their band members keep getting swapped out for new people, right? Because there is a process by which you become, and that was one of my biggest questions: is how do these people get this job? Well, they get this job by not choosing a memory, whether yes. willfully or just being unable to. They become these counselors helping other people find their memory. And and that might be the nature that, of it. Like they are being swapped out, right? Like every week there's two or three new people that just, you know, don't have the skill set on the instruments. I think I think I would know what two or three people sounding bad in the symphony of 20 would sound like. But uh, right. Uh, is, that, is, that might is be floppy haired dude who's been here for 50 plus years. Is he not right. good at one instrument? Did they put it, him on so, the wrong? Was he like, I'm great at guitar? And they were like, you're on flute. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? So one of the ideas I had is that maybe the idea is you're stuck when you're dead, that like you can't learn any, pick up any real new skill. Like That's it's an interesting you know, one. Yeah. You're, you're kind of like frozen just the way you are visually. You're kind of frozen and you know, you got whatever skills you came in with. But there's also like the when, idea of like when you're dead, you don't make new memories, right? Yeah. And when... But that doesn't track with her falling in love with him in the afterlife. And the other problem is like when he was meeting with the boss of the place and it seemed like he was explaining to him, I finally got my my story or my memory. The guy said, well, I guess we can make a special exception in your case. And, and to he, me, they're doing that because he chose a memory. I think it's because he chose a memory after he was dead. And, and I don't I don't mean like he chose it after he was dead in the time. I mean, he chose. Oh, because his memory was, memory from was not was him dead. sitting at the bench. Right. His memory was them Phil when he made the real. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he so chose a memory special... from after his time on Earth, which. OK. Is OK. The exception. That makes sense. I, I, it's not quite the neat thing I was hoping to explain the instrumentation, oh, damn. but, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Cause I thought special exemption was like, cause now I was going to say like, so like if, cause I thought it's like you stay here, it's like a limbo until you uncover your one true memory that mm-hmm. you're ready to take into the afterlife. And then anytime, but like him saying it's a special exception, I'm like, well, what the fuck? But right. that, yeah, I think right. you, you answered it. Um, all right. What so are some, some of the other... other logistics things I have questions about is there, there's one scene. Let's start with small ones. There's one thing uh, scene where I see one of the characters likes to play chess against the other counselors. It's the boss of the place likes to play chess. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tries to tell floppy hair kid, hey, let's play some chess together. And he's like, why don't you go ask your security guard friend to play chess with you? And my question is, why do they need security guards in the afterlife? Right, because everyone the, the, seems so placid and genteel. Well, and and like, what are the rules of this place? Because the interesting thing, I guess, to me is that they portray this particular part of the afterlife as just an extension of the real world. It's very mm-hmm. strange in that they don't have an unlimited budget to create these memories. They're having to hacksaw wings off of planes because the only body they have is a piper, and this guy flew a Cessna. So, like... Right. The they, wings are in the wrong and, place. And the budgets they're working with, they, they don't have any supernatural abilities. They don't have mm. the ability to create clouds or make people think that they're seeing clouds. They have to string up a bunch of cotton they buds. Don't even, they don't even have an ILM ability to do magic. No. They don't They don't have, like, ability no. to do scale models, right? No. They're, they're shoestring budget. Why aren't they given more budget by heaven or hell or whoever they're working for? Right. Uh, yeah, I, I just had so many questions around that. Like, why does this place look like it looks? Why is it a rundown, shitty school? Why is it always? Why is well? I mean, maybe this particular part. And maybe the seasons have to do with just when these people came here. So it could be. It, they do change, but like it's it's whenever they were filming in real life. But but the winter feels like a really good like uh, afterlife month, right? You know, or afterlife period. Oh yeah, thematically certainly, um, and they're—I guess—they're playing with that, right? Like having this week to decide as they count down the days. It's—it's it's very much. But, but like, you, you don't know, like, because like that's one of the things I thought was interesting is like how um, how much equality there seemed to be in the system. That like, yeah, it's a ran down thing, but like, there's no hint that there's a better version of this. And like, some of those people no. could have been yakuza, 
or gangsters or ruthless bankers or war criminals. And then you've got your sweet old grandma's like, and everyone kind of gets the same treatment. I thought there was something I kind of like I, I thought that that might be you know? like an unfair suggestion. Maybe if we knew more about the people's, th- but like, there's also like, I don't know, in the old, uh, the wages of sin pays is death kind of equality. Like, well, you're, mm-hmm. you know, we're all here where we're all going to go. Why yeah. would there be better versions for people? And with that sort of, you know, inevitability, but I, I don't know what the function of a security guard is like, do yeah. they need to keep them on the grounds? Is there a world? There's clearly a world outside of mm-hmm. the schoolyard that they keep them all in. Could could spiky hair punk teen kid leave? Could he go to Tokyo and just live a life for billions of years while not choosing a memory? Yeah, especially if the lady is a location scout. Like they can go to Earth and they can walk amongst right. the living. And there's also this rule that I thought sure would come up where this guy's talking about how he died like when his daughter was very young and she's X amount old and that, you know, it's like it must be hard not to see her. It's like, well, I can. He says, I think visit her uh, each year in the Day of the Dead. I'm like, oh, interesting little loophole. They're going that's going to come back. Nope. Nope. That's just a little thing that they throw out. Yeah. Uh, uh, and when they had her location scouting, I thought there was going to be like a moment where she gets to make some kind of club, but no, they, that's not interested in that. Wasn't that day of the deadline also packaged with something about her adult ceremony? Like when she turns 20 or something, in there's fact, some I ceremony. thought I actually, there's one part in the movie where I thought I was seeing her going out on the day of the dead to do some kind of mission, but then like, and it never paid. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought, and they might be, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you're Japanese, cause there was another thing where sense, right? I think they were like, you know, we, we saw that the Japanese show old enough where it's like, you know, Japanese oh. family <laughs> sitting there like four and five year olds off on their first errand and they have like special little packs and they actually mm-hmm. na- they, they talked about like one of the old men talk about like his first memory of doing that, like and mm-hmm. how much like hope and potential he thought he that was the guy that wanted the memory of him riding the bus. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it could be one of those things. It's like if you had not known what this Japanese custom of like sending your very young child out into the world and just kind of knowing the village is going to help them out with it, like some of that stuff. So like I don't know if I knew what the hell adult day and what Japanese day of the dead, maybe this would make more sense. But yeah, it might. Uh, So another one that I thought was weird is and I felt like the movie was even kind of calling bullshit on it. Um, the guy that showed up with like, Hey, I got a memory of when I was five months old, my mom yep. put me naked in the sunbeam. And like the people were even like, like, can <laughs> you glad have we memories? Don't. I didn't want to see the recreation of his memory. So I'm glad we don't have to see that. But, this 35 year old man laying naked in the sunbeam. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. Um, what? was the deal with that like, it, yeah, like having I, months, I think and they talk about it like they say what is the typical age at which people are able to start remembering things and they say oh it's usually about four three four years old yeah, yeah. and i think that's true of me um i have i have memories vague vague and yet remarkably specific memories uh i think that's probably just the nature of memory but uh from that age mm-hmm. uh just a couple here and there um yeah i do too and I think that that probably largely holds true, or at least it felt true to me. And then there are people who say they can remember things much younger. Yeah. And we're not sure, right? That's all like, how do you determine what somebody can actually remember versus what they're sort of making up? Sure. Like you went through your baby book once when you're six years old and you saw your mom holding you in this picture. And then you just think that happened. You can remember yeah. how that happened. And they do that. They do it a couple of different ways where they talk about the unreliability of memory. Um, One of the things that they say in that scene is that some people are able to remember back to the womb, right? And that feeling of safety and warmth Mm. and that you can recreate it by immersing yourself in warm water and going under uh, Mm. and just, just being there in that warm water. And the, the young woman counselor tries that a couple of times in this movie right yeah there's probably something very deeply connected to her with that and i just was not picking it up yeah 
Yeah, you're right. There is something. Like I said, I, I think a second rewatch would be really rewarding because um, uh-huh. it's like a six. I mean, it's, it's like a sixth sense. Like you go back and rewatch it and see what all clues there were to um, the ultimate reveal to, to this guy. Um, yeah, I'd be less concerned with, you know, why do they need security guards in the afterlife? <laughs> There's a lot of other like really random things. Like I, I thought that uh, the hair dryers blowing out on film day. Like, oh yeah they, this is like a little detail and then like 10 minutes later in the film they're like oh it happens all the time because everyone wants to it's like this like regards to how you looked in the memory you want to look your best and these, uh-huh. these old folks getting all their hair blown out and getting all dapper and it's like to such an extent that everyone blows the circuits at the same because because heaven doesn't have enough amperage for everyone to blow their hair dry at the same time yeah um, the budget's not there for the upgrades and that yeah, was interesting a... too because they talk about that um, in context. There, there's this one woman who, I, I think what what they're trying to depict here is that she has not developed mentally beyond the state of a nine year old, and she still believes that she's nine. And she's out in the garden, the the courtyard. She's the one that was nuts like and flowers, the cherry blossoms that wanted to be yeah, okay. Uh huh. And I, they talk about her having already chosen her memory when she was nine years old, right? And she's already uh, been living that memory for forever. So, like, I thought that they were what they're hinting at with her is that she's regressed. That she is. I, I think that this that this woman's supposed to represent uh, uh, Jesus Christ. What's this guy's name? Uh, Corita's grandmother, who has yeah, lived yeah. a whole life and has had some neurodegen, and now she's just regressing to like all she has is a few handful of uh, childhood memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another that one that's um, okay. Here's another one that I have no fucking clue because there's one vignette that I thought sure was going to pay off, and that that this girl woman's brother was a child molester. Oh yeah, the dancer, and it just stayed the surface level of this brother loved to dress his little sister in attractive dresses and show him off to family and public, and there was no like either she's deeply uh, repressed the the, yeah. the the trauma or that was just how it happened, and I don't know because I've definitely had these experiences where there's been a cultural barrier where it's like am i supposed to find this funny am i supposed to find because i just i just don't i just don't know um yeah and the way i thought sure that was building up to something dark and it never uh did never got there and then but it might it's her memory it's the memory she chose right and like right they don't ever say "Ooh, i don't know if she should have chose this memory she's just like it's portrayed as a happy moment for yeah, her. Yeah, where was the lady on the... She's given this girl, the 16-year-old girl so much shit for Magic Mountain, but, like, this woman's writing a... <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe get the videotapes on opus that one, to her know? to her abuser, and <laughs> she's like, ah, yeah, sure, yeah, why not? Who Go cares? back to the tape on that if you want to make the call. Yeah, I don't know, because yeah, that was the one I... I there. I thought, and, and like I said, the way it was filmed, even at the end, it kept on being like, I could see this being, like everyone is kind of like pitying her because she's had this terrible experience and it's her best experience. But I'm like, yeah, I, I, I can't say that confidently. Cause I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I really found the, the sex guy entertaining talking about how to pick up the discount prostitutes. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you got to wait till about 11 and then they're getting, but it's, that's also a, it's a chicken. It's a, push, it's, it's, a, it's a push your luck. Yeah. Like uh, then, uh, but you wait too long, then it's all the, the uggos that no one else got. Yeah. Jesus. Dirt cheap. But uh, what price? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was really funny. Um, what was his he, memory? Turn. What did his memory turn out? To I don't be? remember. God, I, remember. I thought, yeah. Because they show a bunch of them in rapid succession. I wondered if, like, it'd be interesting if one of his was, like, super chased or, like, innocent or something. Um, I, I want to say that's where they came down on him. Like, he chose something that wasn't sex-related, but I think yeah, it's just a guy, line they, of dialogue from somebody else that says it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was also another interesting de- development that you occasionally have the directors, you know, when they're sitting in their break room or whatever the hell this is in heaven or hell, and they're talking about their experiences. Like you mentioned, the the one guy that was assigned to the sex addict, like he's like kind of complaining, kind of bragging about the fact that this guy is just nonstop letters mm-hmm. from Playboy the whole time. But one guy they were like debating of like, what is the, you know, 
what is the worst thing? Would you rather come in with an average life? Like, what's the worst mm. to try to come up with? Like, would you rather be like an evil person? Um, there's one guy who said the best part of this boon is the forgetting itself. It's not the memory you get to keep. It's forgetting mm-hmm. all the other shit that you went through. Did you have a like a, a thread that you were a little closer to in terms of like life philosophy? Uh, okay, yeah, so... I guess I'll talk about like the processes I was I was thinking about this movie and its context, right. you know, in yes. my own own life. Um, I started going through this process with them. Like, what would I choose? You know, how how would I how would I narrow it down? Because I, unlike the guy who wants to forget everything, I have a lot of memories that I'd really like to remember. A lot of them, um, mm-hmm. just a whole slew. And it, for me, like the hardest part would be sifting through those and picking a singular memory. Cause I, I would lament the tragedy of losing the rest of them. Yeah. And it's also changes. Like what I would say at 16 is oh, completely yeah. different from what I'd say at 30, which is completely different from what I'd say at 46. And mm-hmm. yeah, like, I guess like I, I thought that's the genius of giving someone three days because like the first thing you think of is probably not going to be the one to stick, but like, you kind no, of get, no. you know, like, like it, it would be interesting to like to spend three days just sifting through your memories for like the happiest one. Cause like I got I did the, cause I've been doing this for the last 24 hours and I will say that mm-hmm. like where I've kind of ended up is a lot different, you know, like I, it, it went different. from like, it went different? from like, it, it, cause it went from memories of like, okay, this is oh, the most triumphant. Yeah, it's like I, it's like oh, this is the most triumphant I ever sure. felt, or this is yeah. the one where like my, you know, this is the you know this or that, oh, cool. But like I kept on coming back to like what I'd want to inhabit forever is like mm-hmm. the feeling on Christmas Day after everyone's opened their presents and like the kids are going to their room to play with the things and you start like that that like feeling that everyone is in the house that you care about mm-hmm. and everyone's happy and content. Sure. Like it's not yeah. the best yeah, I mean, sex I ever had. It's not the yeah. time I won the race. It's not. It's like that. Like just the feeling of like just this warm contentment uh-huh. is where I kept on like those and those are not like those are like like the red letter. But those are that's probably what I'd want that the feeling I'd want to live for in forever. Yeah, I mean it's obviously different for everybody, right? I mean I think people who uh maybe if you look at like the salary man guy and um the 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 train guy th- those are people who are trying to capture a feeling of what could be rather than yes, what was the potential right and i i, I don't know the salary man not quite as much salary man's trying to capture a feeling of what was that he just didn't realize it at the time but that train yeah. man is definitely trying to capture like I felt he he describes it as like I felt hopeful uh-huh. and there were endless possibilities in front yes. of me and you can tell that from that moment on he kind of regrets every opportunity he didn't take every decision he did make ultimately ended in dissatisfaction and so he's trying to capture that feeling of hopefulness and that's definitely not where my mind goes my mind goes more towards where you are at with with it is like I want to collect everything that I felt can, can I find a moment in my life where I I have come to some understanding of the totality of it and and be and be in that moment, right? Because I don't want to forget everything. I want to encompass that feeling in a singular moment and live with that forever. Yeah. So it, it really comes down to just like how do you feel about your own life? And and like you yeah. need to get the context of it. And I think that's why it's so brilliant to give people three days. Cause that feels like enough time to really sit down and process it, but not enough time to get stuck in like a limbo, which yeah. you can anyway, this movie kind of yeah. just like <laughs> blows you. past that. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's like most people, I think, and this is kind of displayed in the demeanor of the people who show up. Yeah. Most people when they're living their life are not evaluating it moment by moment right they're not saying am i living the life that i want to be living is this when i look back on this moment is this going to be a fulfilling satisfying thing it's only when they step out of it by dying here and are forced to look back at it that they can kind of take stock of it and so you have to give them time you can't just say go what's your best memory now yeah 
Because most people will be like, I I don't know. I had a good fuck one time. That was awesome. Exactly. All right, you're stuck with it. Let's recreate that. One more thing I wanted to ask. It's the other, like the, I guess the most central mystery to the film. Uh And that is the moon roof. Oh yeah. The moon roof is the floppy haired anime protagonist. You've, you've referred to a few times. (laughs) Like he continues, like, I don't even think we even see what's up there. Like he just like some point he stops in the hallway and looks up at this thing, this like, you know, portal of light or whatever. And in the end of the movie, we see the woman protagonist look up and it's a, but it changes to something. It's like, she's looking at a phase and then it, it, no, it so it's a out. moon. It's it's. I don't think it's a full moon. I, I can't remember if it's a full moon or not, but it's a moon that you would you know see in the sky. And then the the grounds person, the the uh-huh. security yeah, guard or whatever, the takes takes the the hatch away, uh-huh. and it's just daylight out there, right? There's like it's not night, it's not anything. It's just that's all fake. I don't know what, what that is- means that mean yeah, okay <laughs> dude i i have no kept on, idea it's definitely her taking on the mantle of the floppy haired anime guy yeah because um, now she's attacking that's the other thing is like you know whereas it seemed like she always did her duties with that kind of indifference or like not passion like she is mm-hmm. treating this next interview like it's the first one and maybe it is like was she a junior director like she never was like the lead is this her first like lead opportunity now this guy's retired she might be they say the the new spiky hair dude is going to be like a shadow for one of the counselors yeah, so maybe so that she, was this what might, she was this might be her thing that she, she is shadowing this guy this entire life fell in love with him and now that he is ascended and got some wisdom now she's recommitting herself because she wants to follow this yeah that tracks that might be what it is. So, so is her, but like, I don't know what the utility of showing what was up there other than it's artificial. And it's another thing of like, it is uh, the, the wonder you yeah. find in the world is the one you make. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That was, that was pretty puzzling to me. I wouldn't All claim right. to understand this movie fully. No, uh, no, but that's, <laughs> that's a fun thing about foreign cinema sometimes is like how much of it did I not get? How much of it was cultural differences? How much of it is just different ways of looking and thinking at things? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this is like my favorite part of the commission is when we get like a weird foreign film that I've never heard before, but it's got 93% on fr- fresh, uh, you know, fresh tomatoes, whatever the fuck, rotten tomatoes. It's got four stars by Ebert. And I'm like, ha, damn, this is going to be cool. Uh, and Andy, you provided that experience, that top tier commission experience to me. So thank you very much. Appreciate your support and appreciate uh, that's what's cool about Andy is he came up to us uh, hoping that he was going to kick off like the Lord of the Rings trilogy before. Uh, you know, he, he, he had come in right after, uh, the, the werewolf one, uh, prisoner of Azkaban and wanted to start doing the Harry Potter <laughs> the one. one. And I'm like, I think it's the week that we released it. I'm like, you might want to listen to the podcast before you do that. So he came up with four other movies and let us choose. We chose afterlife. Uh, it's the one that immediately jumped out at us and, uh, appreciate mm-hmm. it. It's, uh, appreciate you being flexible uh with us but uh it's all part of the process because the last thing we want to do is take people's money for a commission and have them not be happy with it uh having yeah. said that i hope you're happy with this commission andy and when uh, you get to the afterlife pick this memory right now of listening to this podcast of just completing the podcast mm-hmm. how 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 satisfied you are with it <laughs> how it's just filling your whole feeling with warmth and and acceptance and love. How well spent that money was. Yeah. So well spent that everybody else is kind of kind of <laughs> basking in the reflected radiance and they're curious, how can I uh-huh. get this kind of contentment and this this warm, universal, fuzzy feelings? Well, you go to support.baldmove.com, you click commission a podcast, and you too can can sail through life's uh filming appointment at the end of uh everything. Uh, support.ballmove.com is how you find out how you do commission podcasts. Uh, we'll be back with another commission one day soon of the Pulp or Prestige variety. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Thanks, Andy. See you later. <laughs>